taking the gloves off. He's talking in depth about pro wrestling, sports, pop culture, trending topics on social media, politics, and his crazy life. He's uncensored. He's unapologetic. He's media personality Brad Shepard. And he's unleashed. I'm ready to play now. Put me in the game now. I came here to prove it. I'm ready to do it. I can't be afraid now. Put me on the stage now. I'm ready to rage now. I feel like an animal stuck in a cage and I'm ready to break out. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Lower the lights down. Hand over my crown. Hand over my heart. I do this for my town. I do this for my crowd. So turn me up real loud. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. Welcome to Brad Shepard Unleashed. This week's episode is dedicated to discussing WWE's Clash at the Castle, NXT's Worlds Collide, AEW's All Out, and the backstage drama behind the scenes at AEW, including backstage details on the chaotic environment that you won't hear anywhere else i'm going to drop a bombshell later in this episode that you won't believe baby so without any further ado it's time to take the gloves off all right we're going to start out this week by talking about wwe's clash At the Castle, the first major stadium show by WWE to the UK in 30 years. The set was big. The crowd was 62,000 plus. And this was the first of many shows going forward throughout overseas in the UK. So this was an exciting event. There was a lot of expectations. A lot of our UK listeners to this show, I'm sure, were excited. So let's dive right in. Let's talk about the show, what I thought about it, what I liked, what I didn't. So obviously, the crowd was fantastic. I want to give them props for that. Uh, The stadium, the set, the ramp, the stage, everything, the gaga It was all there for this to be a typical big league WWE production. And in that regard, it certainly was. So the event starts off with a pre-show. It's an hour. They have Jackie Redman, Matt Camp, and Pete Rosenberg. Uh, Jackie did a decent job. Uh, Matt is not someone I'm big on on these shows, but it was... Just okay. And Pete Rosenberg, I don't know why he's on these damn shows. He's awful. Uh, With that being said, they broke the trend and they actually had a match on the uh, kickoff show this time. Um, So it was Mad Cat Moss and the Street Profits versus Austin Theory and Alpha Academy. All right. So that starts off the, the kickoff show. 
It goes about six and a half minutes, and uh, Madcap Moss and Street Profits win. Not much to the match itself. Pretty basic. Uh, good ending. And uh, that's really essentially it. There was some heat on theory throughout the match, which was nice. The crowd was hot from the very beginning. Okay, so blah, blah, blah. That's the kickoff show in a nutshell. We get to the main show, and the actual main card Starts off with Damage Control, Bailey, Io Sky, and Dakota Kai defeating the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka. So, you know, this match was, in my opinion, the wrong match to start off the main card. It went almost 20 minutes. And the crowd, really, which was hot, died. During this match, they started out hot, chanting for Bailey. They want Bailey to be their girl. Uh, but just the pure garbage in ring action killed the fans. And this again was a great crowd. You know, I talk about that first match and how important it is. It's supposed to set the tone for the show and really get the crowd going. And this actually killed the momentum of the crowd. <laughs> they wanted to be hot. Uh, and, you know, midway through the match, they just kind of got quiet. Uh, so that was a shame. And then the ending, of course, was something that I didn't agree with. Um, the finish came when Bailey uh, tied up Belair in the corner with her hair. Kai hit the running boot in the corner, and then Bailey followed it up with the rose plant, and Sky hit a moonsault, and then Bailey pinned the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair for the win. So, you know, commentary: you've got Michael Cole, Corey Graves, Byron Saxton. They're making a big deal out of Bailey pinning Belair. Well, shouldn't she be the champion now? When did champions lose and get to keep their title? Tried doing that in the uh, UFC. I just think the idea is stupid. You know, I'm not a fan of making Bailey a threat or a contender by having her pin the champion. This is a longtime WWE formula. It's something they did before Noseman Paul took over, and it's still something they're doing today with Noseman Paul in charge. So if you're blaming Vince McMahon, you're blaming the wrong guy, apparently, because this is still going on. And I'm not a fan of Belair losing a six-man tag, a throwaway match that nobody's going to remember. It wasn't even a good match, by the way. I uh, didn't have any sort of real significant story. It was a waste. It was all to build up Bailey as a contender to Bianca Belair, and I just hate that. That is such a dumb WWE trope that I wish they'd get rid of. Okay. So that was the opener. They show McIntyre backstage earlier today. You got Tyson Fury in the crowd, and the crowd gives him a nice reaction. They show highlights from SummerSlam 92. Wembley Stadium, the British Bulldog, defeating Bret Hart for the Intercontinental Championship. Michael Cole called it the greatest match in SummerSlam history. I don't know about that, but it was certainly good. They announced the British Bulldogs family at ringside, which gets a nice reaction. And then they show Bret Hart at ringside as well. And he gets a great reaction. Okay. So 
Back to the matches. Intercontinental champion Gunther is next up. He's got Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci. He has reunited the Imperium. That's right. Uh, Giovanni has been called up to reunite the Imperium on the main roster. Uh, but Gunther defeats Sheamus, who had Butch and Rich Holland in his corner to retain the title. Uh, the match went about 20 minutes. And this was one of the better matches of the night, hands down by far. You know, not necessarily always a fan of guys just legitimately killing each other, but this just felt like, you know, two guys that were pros, that knew what they were doing. They were just having a real brutally hard-hitting physical contest. You knew exactly what you were getting here. Uh, every match in the show wasn't going to be like this. In fact, no other match in the show was going to be like this. Uh, so that's fine. So I enjoyed the match. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to see Sheamus win here. Uh, that's It's the one championship that has eluded his career. So I thought, you know, here he is. He's in the UK. He's, a, you know, closer to home. And uh, the crowd was majorly into him, like majorly uh, into Sheamus. In fact, he did get a standing ovation after the match, which was terrific. So, yeah, they just had a, a real hard-hitting good match, back and forth, back and forth. It's just, I, I think there was a level of psychology, too, uh, that you don't always see in these sort of, you know, hard-hitting, strong-style sort of matches. There was some psychology to this match as well. Uh, they were telling a story in the ring, which I liked. But this was a good match to check out if you didn't get to see it. And ultimately, Gunther hits a clothesline, uh, and he pins Sheamus. And, and you felt like, you know, here's a guy who is, what, 44? Uh, in the best run of his career. He's finally really won over the adulation of the WWE universe. He's put in the work, no question about it. And I just want to see him get that Intercontinental Championship run. And I want to see him wrestle Gunther again. So I hope they get to do this again. And Sheamus is victorious. Um, at ringside, they show UFC welterweight champion Leon Edwards, the Usman killer. Uh, he's at ringside, gets a good reaction. Uh, so the SmackDown Women's Championship match is up next. It's Liv Morgan defeating... Shayna Baszler in about 11 minutes. You've got to be kidding me. Uh, so this was just completely not believable. Uh, you know, to the UK crowd's credit, I mean, they were mostly in line with cheering for Liv and booing Shayna. Uh, you know, so I'm sure Liv actually liked getting cheered for once, but. It's just not believable at all the way Liv was booked so strongly. It was just crazy. Uh, you know, she couldn't lock in the Kirifuda clutch. It was just, um, yeah, she nothing, nothing Shayna did was enough to put Liv away. She escaped. Uh, it was just so ridiculous. And uh, and Morgan hit a code breaker followed by her oblivion finisher and pins. Shayna Baszler for a three count. You gotta be kidding me. In 11 minutes, she beat Shayna. Shayna should have beat her in 30 seconds. Come on. So here we got Vanilla Ice Cream, Liv Morgan. 
who is a laughingstock embarrassment of a women's champion. She really is bringing down the women's division in a significant way. And they're still going forward with it. This, this woman who looks like she couldn't fight her way out of a wet paper bag. Hey, she's attractive. She's pretty attractive. She's not believable in any regard. Uh, her ring work is not good. It's not like she's a good promo. It's not like she has charisma. She's just not a good wrestler. Uh, but she loves the business. So everybody's supposed to be happy that she won the fake belt. It's a bunch of bullshit. Get out of here. This is who you have beat Ronda Rousey twice and Shayna Baszler? Two UFC MMA badasses? You gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Just so stupid, so insulting, so unbelievable. Not a fan of the, uh, at all. Uh, so they show uh, exotic Adrian Street and Miss Linda at ringside. Uh, two really important figures to the UK wrestling scene. Uh, we get a, a video package of Judgment Day versus Edge and Rey Mysterio. And then they have the matchup next. Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio defeated Judgment Day. Uh, Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And they did have Rhea Ripley in their corner. The match went about 12 and a half minutes. This was a pretty good match. I didn't have strong interest in it just because I don't have strong interest in Judgment Day. But it was the ending of the match that was well done in the post-match in particular that really drew my interest. So finally, we see the turn. We see the turn. Uh... Dominic grabbed Balor's leg. It allowed Mysterio to hit the 619. Edge spears Balor for the win. The idea they're promoting on commentary at the time is Dominic played an important role in the win. After the match, though, uh, you know, Edge and Rey Mysterio, they're celebrating. Dominic's kind of off to the side, not getting any love. And so you can see it's eating at him. He's had enough. They're celebrating, and Dominic suddenly gives Edge a kick to the cock and balls. The crowd erupted in booze. Ray tried to talk to his son, tried to pull him away, and Dominic gives him a clothesline from hell. Very reminiscent of uh, the clothesline that Eddie Guerrero gave Rey Mysterio when he turned on him all those years ago. So this was just really well done. Real good heat on Dominic uh, for the heel turn. So very well executed there. Uh, now, Dominic is much better off as a heel right now, but he's got a long ways to go. The kid's uh, body looks like a bag of, of milk. I mean, uh, I, he's got to do something. He's got to get that together. You are a star a big star big wrestling family on tv the number one company in the industry you gotta do something about that that's your job literally okay so that was really good uh but next up it's seth rollins defeating matt riddle uh the match goes about 17 minutes this was uh, a really good match 
Uh, some would argue the match of the night. Uh, but the idea was that Seth Rollins made Riddle, Matt Riddle, we can say now, so angry, so emotional that he couldn't control himself. It caused him to make mistakes and it cost him the match. So that was the story they told and it was told well. Uh, and I think the right person won here. No question about it. So the end comes when uh, Rollins hit a stomp and then another one off the second turnbuckle. So it was, woof. it was pretty interesting. Some good heat spots in there. Uh, Rollins did uh, Orton's draping DDT, uh, acted like he was setting up for the RKO. So it's just, you know, they did some spots and some storytelling and, and you know, threaded throughout the match. So it was just really well done. One of my favorite matches of the night easily. So, yeah, I, I mean, um, it was a, it was a very good match. And following that match is not going to be easy, but they did it. It was WWE Universal Champion Roman Reigns defeating... Drew McIntyre, old snooze McIntyre, to retain the title in the main event. And the match went over 30 minutes. This was a long match, a brutal match, a back and forth match. And WWE, to their credit, did an excellent job at convincing fans that anybody could win, including Drew McIntyre. Many people believed Drew McIntyre was going to win in spite of the fact that his opponent was Roman Reigns and in the midst of a historic championship run. So this was very well done. The subtleties were there, of course, if you know the industry that Roman would retain, but they did a great job doing this. The execution by both men, Drew and Roman, was really well done. This was, in my opinion, the match of the night, for sure. Okay. So the story they're telling here, of course, is Roman. He's without Paul Heyman. He's without Jimmy and Jay Uso. He's without Sami Zayn. It's all Roman on his own, and he's got to face Drew. Now, the crowd was crazy for Drew. Of course, Drew being from Scotland, he got a, a big ovation. Uh, so it was it was very interesting because you, you definitely don't see that in America. But... Drew, you know, they were chanting, oh, Drew McIntyre, and just, you know, they're going crazy for the guy. Uh, it's definitely uh, not what I'm used to see. <laughs> they show uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlet in the crowd uh, as well. At one point during the match, there was a distraction. So they threw in some hijinks. Uh, during the match, Austin Theory came down to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase. That attempt was thwarted by Tyson Fury in the crowd who knocked him out with a punch. Oh, boy. Yeah, so just a lot to this match. They didn't overdo it. That was a good thing. It wasn't overbooked. It was perfectly booked in many ways. Uh, and so as it seems like Drew McIntyre is on the precipice of winning the championship. Someone in a black hooded sweatshirt appears, interferes, and actually attacks Drew McIntyre. 
cost him the match. That's right. It was revealed to be Solo Sokoa, the younger brother of Jimmy and Jay Uso. He's in NXT. He's got his call up now in a big way. And uh, Reigns hits the spear off the distraction. And referee Charles Robinson makes the count. Fans were stunned. They were pissed. They were furious. They were disappointed. And I was loving it because that's what you call heat, pal. They got it. It was very well done. Uh, After the match, Tyson Fury got in the ring and shook hands with Reigns. And then also uh, Tyson Fury and McIntyre in the ring. They talked and they sang. Uh, Yeah, so there you go. American Pie. Now, Fury does this, you know, after his uh, boxing matches, he sings. That's just one of his things. He's a highly entertaining guy. Uh, Drew said he's disappointed, but he will win the Universal title someday. And that's how the show ended. So kind of a weird ending. But, you know, it was this thing where uh, you're going to have Tyson Fury show up. And, you know, it's a big show. It's in the UK. You're going to have Drew lose, right? So the crowd is not going home happy in that regard. But if you have Tyson Fury come out and you have Tyson Fury kind of celebrate and sing with Drew afterwards and he gets kind of a nice personal moment, uh, then you're not as uh, you're not as disappointed. You're going home uh, maybe a little bit happier. Now, I don't know why that couldn't have been a in-stadium sort of deal. You know, I don't, I don't know why that had to be on Peacock televised. You know, I, I don't need the nice moment for Drew. I'm not a fan. I'm not from Scotland. I'm not from the UK. Didn't matter to me. Uh, so I could see how locally you, in the UK you may want that, but certainly I didn't care. Uh, but anyway, overall, I mean, you can look at the card and you can critique it that it wasn't the greatest card of all time. And it certainly wasn't. Uh, but it had some really good matches and the execution, the presentation, everything was so well done by WWE that this was just in many ways a home run. Okay, let's talk about NXT Worlds Collide. Finally, we have the end of this NXT UK crap that I don't care about, that I don't watch, and I didn't watch this show. Screw it. Who cares? But they did the right thing here, and I'm not going to talk about this show long. I just want to say they did the right thing by having the NXT UK superstars dropping their championships during the unifications. That's what they needed to do, Uh, you know, because the go for it, obviously, right now is is NXT. There will be an NXT Europe, but hey, you know, that's... uh, that's just the way it works. Oh, by the way, Mackenzie Mitchell and Sam Roberts, the pre-show host, a bozo-ass motherfucker, Sam Roberts. Goof-ass. I don't like that guy. All right. So, anyway, uh, they had the show. Carmelo Hayes kicked it off, defeating Ricochet. Obviously, they're bringing out someone from the main roster. And uh, they had a good match, right? I mean, it's it's going to be full of the flips and tricks and things like that. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, Ricochet is kind of annoying, but he can have good matches. Carmelo Hayes, as long as he tones down the flips, he can have good matches. I like his presentation with Trick Williams. 
They were trying to start the show off hot, trying to get the crowd going. And they're using a main roster superstar to do it. So I thought that was smart. Uh, Pretty Deadly became the unified NXT Tag Team Champions. They won the Fatal 4-Way Elimination match. Uh, They beat the Creed Brothers. Uh, They beat Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, who are the NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Uh, They beat Gallus. Whoever the fuck is Mark Coffey and Wolfgang with Joe Coffey. Like, I talked about these Gallus guys before. Who cares? Like, don't even know who these guys are. Yeah, it's disappointing in some regard that the Creed brothers didn't win, but they're they're like um, they should have been on the main roster already. So at the same time, you don't want to, you know, nail them down to to the minor leagues to developmental when that's not where they belong. Okay, Uh, so then we had Mandy Rose defeating Blair Davenport and the UK women's champion Maiko Sotomura. And if I botched that, it's because I'm not Japanese. But Mandy Rose winning a big win for Mandy Rose to unify the championships. And, and I got to tell you, right now is her time. She has got to be in the main roster right now. I mean, this is such a waste for Mandy Rose at this point in NXT. She is ready. And I would say she's one of the rare cases where essentially going back down a demotion to the minor leagues, going back to NXT was a major, major part of her career success. It helped her tremendously. So you got to say that was great. Uh, Six, the NXT Women's Tag Team Champions, Caden Carter and uh, Katana Chance defeated Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H. So again, they brought back uh, a couple of main roster superstars. Uh, Toxic Traction got involved with the distraction. Uh, you know, I Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop, who really cares? Like, I don't even know what the point of that was, honestly, but um, whatever. Okay, so you got Braun Breaker in the main event beating Tyler Bate, the NXT UK champion, in their unification match. And they tried to make Bate look so strong, so big, and they had him do the the airplane spin on uh, Braun Breaker, which I really hated. I thought that was a real mistake. You don't do something like that. Even if he can physically do it, you don't book a guy the size of Braun Breaker, uh, especially with an opponent the size of Tyler Bate, to do something like that. I, I thought that was an awful spot, and uh, nobody should have approved something like that who's been in the business more than five minutes. Didn't make sense at all. This match should not have been that close. Tyler Bates, he's in great shape. He's a very little fella. It's simply not believable in any regard. Um, The right person won. Not a fan of how the match itself played out, how that was booked. Okay. So that's that. Uh, That is NXT Worlds Collide. I don't want to spend any more time on that. I do want to spend time on uh, AEW. That's right. AEW, um, they had their pay-per-view all out. And it was really what was after that became the story. But let's talk about the show itself. This card was way too fucking long. Way too long. Like, you take a look at Clash of the Castle. That was a six-match show. You've got 
I don't know. It seemed like 15 fucking matches on this card. It's just ridiculous. Okay. So you get the AAA World Mixed Tag Team Championships. Sammy Guevara and Tay Mello defeated Ortiz and Ruby Soho. Uh, this was a bad match. And there was a dangerous spot during this match where Ruby got hurt with Tay and Sammy Guevara. And Tay kicked Ruby, breaking her nose. And then Sammy just casually drops her on her fucking head. I mean, this was incredibly irresponsible. And someone I've said good things about before, Sammy Guevara. I mean, this is a guy now who is starting to develop a pattern of reckless behavior during matches. That's a concern. And so this was a major mistake. It led to Ruby having a broken nose, and hopefully her head is okay. Hopefully her neck is okay. The landing was painful to watch. Just really, really stupid amateur hour shit. The match itself went about seven minutes. Thank God. Uh, Okay, so... (laughs) Next up, we get uh, the FTW Championship. Uh, Action Bronson is at ringside. He performs Hook's theme song. Uh, Hook defeats Angelo Parker with Matt Menard. It goes about four minutes. I don't really think there's anything to mention here. Uh, He locks on the Red Drum submission. Parker taps out immediately. Uh, I guess that's that. After the match, Menard attacked Hook. Stomped him down in the corner, and Action Bronson emerges from ringside and beats up both of them. Members of 2.0 sends them packing, and then Hook and Bronson celebrate. <laughs> I don't even understand this FTW championship. I didn't understand it in ECW either. It's not a sanctioned championship, as they label it the FTW championship on their website, as you carry it around and defend it on pay-per-views. It's just so silly. Okay. So next up, we've got the All-Atlantic Championship because we've got 100 championships in this company. Pack defeats Kip Sabian in under 10 minutes. Old Kip, apparently, he's no longer doing the paper bag gimmick. Uh, just sounds like this was a really uh, strange match. You know, fans didn't know what to make of Kip Sabian. What's his gimmick? What he's doing? Why should they care? So, yeah, again, you know, not really much to say about the match. Pac hits the the black arrow for the win. And uh, he was interviewed by Tony Schiavone after the match. Orange Cassidy's music plays. He walks out. Pac cut uh, Orange Cassidy off, saying, you're not a wrestler. You're a joke. Okay, well, that's true. (laughs) Then, meanwhile, in the ring, Sabian is screaming at the cardboard box. Okay, so maybe the... The box is back on his head. Who knows? He's. It sounds like they could be exploring an Al Snow sort of head gimmick, uh, something similar to that, a more modern presentation. So uh, good luck with that. <laughs> uh, this was the battle of uh, two fat boys, uh, Eddie Kingston. He defeated Tomohiro Ishii in about 14 minutes. Uh, just... A lot of chops, uh, back and forth, sort of stupid shit. I don't know why anyone could possibly care. 
Uh, Kingston hit a Northern Lights bomb and pins him. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay, so uh, they had the casino ladder match up next. It was won by the Joker. But in this case, they didn't identify who the Joker was. He didn't reveal his identity. It was someone wearing a mask. Okay. So the idea, of course, to this match is the winner earns an AEW World Championship shot. Okay, so the entire thing is basically, uh, you know, there's some guys left in the ring. A Rolling Stones song plays. Someone in a devil mask walks out, takes the poker chip from Stokely Hathaway. He's the Joker. He wins the match. He's about to unmask, but he doesn't. So everyone is like, this is very odd, blah, blah, blah. But they were dropping hints throughout that, you know, this could be MJF. Uh, So if you paid attention to the details, you probably assumed this was MJF. All right. So at this point, you don't know who that person is. They didn't reveal themselves. So you're wondering what's going to happen with that. Uh, Is it going to be revealed on Dynamite? Is it going to be revealed later that evening? Is there going to be some sort of a setup right then and there that night, that show, a championship match impromptu? So a lot of questions to be answered with that. Uh, But next up, it was the AEW World Trios Championships, the crown, the first ever champions. And what do you know? The elite put themselves over. Okay, so uh, Kenny Omega, Matt, and Nick Jackson defeat Hangman Page in the Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. Uh, So, yeah, no surprise or rue there. The elite putting themselves over. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking, ah, boy. Uh, So I guess it is what it is. Uh, Omega covers page or silver, rather. What does it really matter? Let's be honest. Uh, They're the champions. As I think pretty much everybody realized what happened. All right. So they do a quick sit down interview uh present a video presentation it was jade cargill the baddies in athena it was moderated by mark henry athena said she'd win the tbs championship for every woman in the back all right great uh so they have the tbs championship matchup next jade cargill defeats the challenger athena under five minutes jade was wearing uh, this she hulk body paint in attire uh the match was the shits it was not good uh no surprise there no Jade Cargo match is good, and Athena is not very good either. Uh, so there's that. Anyway, uh, Jade reversed a springboard into a bicycle kick, hit the jaded finisher for the win. And that was the end of Athena. Uh, earlier today, Alex Marvez, not sure why he's still employed, he intercepted CM Punk and Ace Steel walking into the arena. He asked Punk if he was 100%. Punk said he wasn't, but Moxley isn't just fighting Punk. He's fighting... Chicago. Okay. Uh, next up, we get Wardlow and FTR. Uh, they defeat Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. That's Alex Shelley and Chris Sabian. Um, so it, another trios match. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I didn't have any reason to invest in this. Ultimately, it went about eighteen minutes, and. Again, I, I mean, this is such a misuse of Wardlow, in my opinion. 
You know, you had a guy who was super cooled off or super hot and then super cooled off, right? I mean, they just didn't know what to do with him once he had his big moment. That's certainly what it seemed like. Uh, so uh, Wardlow wins with the four power bombs. I get it. He wins, but he's in a trios match on one of their biggest shows of the year. Just don't get that at all. Uh, after the match, Lethal and company tease getting back in the ring, but Samoa Joe's music plays. He runs out. He's back. Uh, he took out uh, Satnam with belt shots. They cornered Sanjay in the ring. Dax's daughter snaps Sanjay's pencil. And Dax levels him. And Dax's daughter put her foot on Sanjay's chest and pins him as the referee counts three. What? Look, and I understand maybe this is a nice moment for kids, but Jesus, I don't want to see this on a pay-per-view, and I don't want to see this on TV. Do that at a house show. I hate it when Braun Strowman teamed up with uh, the referee's son, Nicholas, to win the tag team championships. Absolutely fucking hated it. I hate this, too. Sorry. You can call me mean, grouchy, whatever you want. I just don't like it. All right, next up, it was Powerhouse Hobbs defeating Ricky Starks. Almost in controversial fashion. I mean, these are two of the more standout young talents that haven't really been given a a big opportunity. Recently, Powerhouse Hobbs turned heel, attacking Ricky Starks. That led to this match. Uh, Starks takes the L in about five minutes. This was... Yeah, I mean, this guy's got to go to WWE. I mean, if you're Ricky Starks, you got to go to WWE because you're in your 30s now. You know, the clock is ticking and you're going to be wasting your prime on a company that's never going to present you ever in any significant way, no matter how talented you are. Uh, So that was just uh, Hob smashes him with a spine buster and pins him. And uh, there you go. Uh, The AEW World Tag Team Championships, Swerve in Our Glory, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee defeated the acclaimed Max Castor and Anthony Bowens. Uh, They, of course, had uh, Scissor Me Daddy, Billy Gunn in their corner. So the crowd was really into the acclaimed, really, really into them. Uh, and, And so what they had to do was on the fly adjust and Swerve in Our Glory played the heel role. You know, they had to change mid-match. So it was an interesting dynamic, and you have to make the title switch here. I mean, uh, I've talked about the acclaimed, and look, Anthony Bowens is no fan of mine, uh, as I've talked about many times before. Um, He's attacked me in social media. He's blocked me, blah, 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 et cetera. So, you know, but I am a big fan of their tag team, and in particular, uh, I am a fan of Max Caster. I've been putting him over since day one in AEW. He's one of their big misses. Uh, so they should have won the tag team championships here. Uh, nobody really cares about Swerve in our glory. They're they're just not that interesting, no matter who wants them to be. Uh, I, so I just don't know. So, I mean, it sounds like they'll have a rematch, and you know what? Um, that's when they claim to win, and it'll probably be too late. They'll probably have pulled the trigger too late, so whatever. I don't get it, but um, yeah, the crowd really into the acclaim. They should have won the match here. Okay, so 
Uh, we get uh, the AEW World's Women's Championship. It's Tony Storm defeating Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Jamie Hayter, and Hikaru Shida. The match went about 15 minutes. Um, not a great match by any stretch of the imagination. You know, uh, there are no great workers in the match at all. So that's just kind of that. <laughs> uh, Storm uh, hit a DDT and then uh, on on Baker and then hit it on Hayter. Uh, for the win, pinned hater. So there you go. Uh, so that's that. We get Christian Cage defeating Jungle Boy Jack Perry. The match went about half a minute. <laughs> uh, so during Jungle Boy's entrance, Luchasaurus once again turned heel on him and attacked him. He choke slammed him on the steel grates on the ramp. I planted him through a table with a high cross. Uh, the bell rings. Christian hits a spear. Jungle Boy kicks out. Christian hits the kill switch and gets the pin. And that was that. So once again, uh, Jungle Jungle Boy screwed over by Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus with more heel turns than the big show in uh, in this short time. So that's impressive right there. <laughs> anyway. Is what that is. Uh, Chris Jericho defeats Brian Danielson in about 23 minutes. Uh, so this was not a great match. And some people were shocked Chris Jericho won, but Chris Jericho has won plenty of big matches in AEW. Uh, I, I don't, you know, if you're Daniel Bryan, uh, and there's rumors about unhappiness with him, and so uh, is that a factor? I don't know, but I, I just, you know. I don't know how this benefits the company in any way, having, you know, Chris Jericho win at this point. Nevertheless, um, uh, Darby Allen, Sting, and Miro defeated the House of Black. <laughs> Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. Yeah. Remember when they are going to be a thing? Malachi Black. Game changer! <laughs> ah, another one who's unhappy. Um uh, so, so obviously, uh, they have the match and, uh, <laughs> when the match was over, Malachi Black blew a kiss to the crowd and like bowed as if it was like a curtain call, as if he was saying goodbye, as if he was leaving. Uh, so I thought that was certainly interesting. Uh, Daniel Garcia was backstage with Tony Schiavone, asked about being absent during Jericho's celebration. Uh, they've been promoting this angle of tension between Jericho and Garcia on TV, although I don't know why Garcia is a charismaless nobody. Jericho walked up, asked where he was. Garcia didn't give him a satisfactory answer, so Jericho said they wouldn't be at ringside for his ROH Pure Championship match this week. Okay. And then finally, the main event, the AEW World Championship. CM Punk defeats John Moxley. The match goes about 20 minutes. Uh, the crowd was hot for the match. Uh, you know, it was one of these bleed everywhere garbage matches. And I think it was, you know, like at one point, John Moxley was like licking Punk's blood off his hand. It was just very unsanitary, very gross. 
I don't know why they would allow something disgusting like that. You know, I, you know, I, it's just that guy is just total hardcore indie garbage. It's it's unfortunate. Uh, with that being said, uh, Punk hits the GTS, but um, it uh, Punk tried to power out of a bulldog rolled through uh, before hitting the GTS, but he couldn't follow up. Moxley just kind of collapsed. Uh, but Punk hit a second GTS and then pinned him. All right, so after the match, the lights went out. A voicemail played from Tony Khan talking to MJF about paying him a lot of money to show up at All Out. The camera cut to the Joker from earlier in the show with MJF saying, I am the devil himself, unmasking and putting on the Burberry scarf. So MGF revealed as the Joker. MGF's music plays. He walks out to the ramp to a pretty fervent MJF chance. The crowd is behind him. They're excited to see him returning. Uh, Punk posed in the ring with the AEW World Championship as MGF made a belt signal and flipped off the crowd. MGF sulked as uh, the show went off the air. That was it. What a weird ending. You have the match and then you have this and you get the reveal and he does nothing about it. It Kind of a a letdown ending uh, for this show. So kind of weird. But uh, that was AEW's All Out. And then it was the drama that would unfold after that that would get everybody's attention. (laughs) And it all went down at the AEW Media Scrum. I have some clips of that Media Scrum. It's Tony Khan and CM Punk. And I'm going to play that for you now. And then we'll talk about it. Take a listen. When you did improv, who'd you do improv with? Uh, Scott Colton. Hmm. Okay, so you fancy yourself a journalist. Would you say you're friends with Scott Colton? Uh, so you're not friends with him? Uh, no, no, Scott, oh, wow. Well, that makes two of us. My point is, if you fancy yourself a journalist, even if it's for the silly world of professional wrestling, and you have journalistic integrity, people who report things mostly that are bullshit and slanderous lies against myself. If you are friends with somebody, you blew my spot. If you're not friends with them, I apologize. But you should probably disclose who you're friends with. Um, I haven't had anything to do with Scott Colton in almost a decade. Probably wanted nothing to do with him even longer than that. It's fucking unfortunate that I have to come up here and speak on this when I'm on my time and this is a fucking business. Why I'm a grown-ass adult man and I decide not to be friends with somebody is nobody else's fucking business. But my friends, if I fall backwards, will catch me. Scott Colton, I felt, never would have. My problem was I wanted to bring a guy with me to the top that did not want to see me at the top. Okay? You call it jealousy, you call it envy, whatever the fuck it is. My relationship with Scott Colton ended long before I paid all of his bills. I have every receipt, I have every invoice, I have every email. I have the email where he says, and I quote, I agree to go our separate ways. I will get my own lawyer and you do not have to pay anymore. That's an email that I have. 
The only reason the public did not see is because when I finally had to counter sue him through discovery, we discovered he shared a bank account with his mother. That's a fact. And as soon as we discovered that fact and we subpoenaed old Marsha, he sent the email, oh, can we please drop all this? Now, it's 2022. I haven't been friends with this guy since at least 2014, late 2013. And the fact that I have to sit up here because we have irresponsible people who call themselves EVPs and couldn't fucking manage a target and they spread lies and bullshit and and put into a media that I got somebody fired when I have fuck all to do with him, want nothing to do with him, do not care where he works, where he doesn't work, where he eats, where he sleeps. And the fact that I have to get up here and do this in 2022 is fucking embarrassing. And if y'all are at fault, fuck you. If you're not, I apologize. But what did I ever do in this world to go, to deserve an empty-headed fucking dumb fuck like Hangman Adam Page to go out on national television and fucking go into business for himself? For what? What did I do? Dave, what did I ever do? didn't do a goddamn thing what's your name sir fuck the pittsburgh penguins what are you doing man what are you doing i made it really clear in forbes and i just want to make it clear again it's not his position to make it very fucking clear there's people who call themselves evps that should have fucking known better this shit was none of their business i understand sticking up for your fucking friends i fucking get it i stuck up for that guy more than anybody okay i paid his bills until I didn't, and it was my decision not to. Yeah, but I shouldn't have no commented when Nick first said it. It's my I, fault, and I if I hadn't, it's my that. fault. It's my I appreciate fault. that. I should have but just I'm, taken a head on because you never said it. But I'm trying to run a fucking business, and when somebody who hasn't done a damn thing in this business jeopardizes the first million-dollar house that this company has ever drawn off of my back and goes on national television and does that, it's a disgrace to this industry. It's a disgrace to this company. Now, we're far beyond apologies. Right, I gave him a fucking chance. It did not get handled, and you saw what I had to do, which was very regrettable, lowering myself to his fucking level. But that's where we're at right now. And I will still walk up and down this hallway and say, if you have a fucking problem with me, take it up with me. Let's fucking go. What's your question, Nick? Uh, first of all, you're always very nice to meet you. Thank you. Uh, <sighs> I wanted to ask about MJF, obviously. Uh, why now? What, what, why, why is MJF back in the fold now? How do you both feel about him being around? How do you feel about the time he spent away? All of that. Well, if I may, I'm the one who asked him to come back because uh, MJF's a big star in this company, and this is a, one of the biggest events. A year ago, CM Punk debuted here, and I thought it was right for the fans. And like I said, for the fans, I thought the best thing that we could do as a company was bring MJF back. He wants me to work with pricks constantly. That's that's what it is. Nevertheless, uh, two of the top wrestlers in the world, MJF and CM Punk, could be oh. a big match down the line. Sorry to keep bringing this fucking up, but I've never spoken his word, and I don't know how long, so I'm a little fucking pissed off about it. When it came down that he was going to sue me, I asked to talk to him. He refused. I asked for mediation. It was denied. I offered him money. He said it was not enough. He went ahead with the lawsuit and sued.
it's his fucking funeral. I don't care. He shares a bank account with his mother. It tells you all you need to know about what kind of character that is. I appreciate it, Nick. I'm sorry if I'm a little fucking snippy. I'm hurt and I'm old and I'm fucking tired. And I work with fucking children. I regret not answering your question the first time you asked it. Yeah, but I should have just taken it head on like I did with Blake and Forbes recently. We're all learning here, Tony. It's okay. Thanks. Thanks. This is from Mindy's Bakery, by the way. It's a great place in Chicago. If you like pastries and baked goods, I suggest you go there. They're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, though. Uh, Sorry about all that, man. All right, thanks. So I've asked questions of presidential candidates in my old life. I don't think I've ever been as nervous as I am right now, but I'll I'll direct this one to Tony. Um, You saw the reaction MJF got when he came back out at the end of the night. Do you have any worries that... um, you know, he was cheered in Chicago while CM Punk, hometown guys. Do you have any worries about um, MJF kind of, he got pure booze before. He was a, one of the last pure heels left in wrestling that didn't try to get cheered. And now he's sort of set up as this anti-authority figure. Uh, do, you, do you worry about what that means for the psychology going forward, especially if he's going to take on Punk? I think the fans want to see great wrestling matches. MJF's the top wrestler. CM Punk's the world champion, the top wrestler in the world. And I think having the top contenders, whoever came out of this match, Tonight, MJF sets up as a great challenger, and now CM Punk uh, is the world champion. MJF being back, a lot of fans were excited to see it, but anytime somebody makes a comeback in the world of wrestling, generally, you get a really big reaction. Am I worried about it? No, not really. Like We have one of the most charismatic, popular professional wrestlers in the world right here, and frankly, the fans can react however they want. That's what's great about AEW and pro wrestling. We're not trying to tell people what to think. This is a really compelling story. People were emotionally moved. People are calling that a great ending, and I'm really glad people liked it. But the fact is, it was a great match, and it was a great ending, and now we'll see what happens on Wednesday. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll tell you why I'm upset about it. It's because if you're an EVP, you don't try to middle your top baby face. Try to get your niche audience that's on the internet to hate him for some made-up bullshit rumor. Really pisses me off. Stepping on your own dick, trying to fucking, you know, make money, sell tickets, fill arenas, and these stupid guys think they're in a receipt. Yep, Dominic D'Angelo at freeshows.com. Uh, Punk, last time we were here last year, I asked you about like Terry Funk and his influence, like yeah. the legacy going on. Kind of, uh, and this is for you too, Tony. I kind of like there. You, you've done a great job with incorporating legends throughout, you know, the course of AEW and as it goes on. I kind of want to see uh, what you feel about how a lot of the modern talent today can kind of utilize some of the advice and take advice from like guys like William Regal and uh, even like Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone. Um, I know I'm missing Jake Roberts, plenty I'm missing, I'm sure. But I just kind of want to get both your perspectives on that and how that can kind of go a little bit more to, to help you guys out grow as a company. We have a, uh, a locker room full of pretty brilliant minds, you know, Jerry Lynn, Dean Malenko, Mark Henry. You know, I, when I came back and I cut my promo my second week here, I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty decent, you know what I mean? Kind of blur the lines a little bit. What's he doing? How oh, crazy Phil. He's going into business for himself, and really I was just defending myself. But, you know, you, you, you mix that in with attacking Moxley and mention, um, you know, Kingston being the second best Kingston, which is a pretty great line. Um, you know, uh, but our locker room, for all the wisdom and brilliance it has isn't worth shit when you have an empty-headed idiot who's never done anything in the business do pu- 
public interviews and say, I don't really take advice. Who the fuck do you think you are? You know, that's stupid. I'm on a team with Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and I, I don't need I don't need to work on my swing. You don't. I'm not going to listen to these guys. They're going to tell me how to swing a baseball. Fucking go fuck yourself. That's how I feel about it. I, I, I dare you to fucking say that this Terry Funk's face. I don't need to listen to you, Mister Funk. I know what I'm doing. Fucking grow up. Tony, hi, Punk. Um, Izzy, Izzy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm sorry if I'm <laughs> scary. No, it's okay. No, I like you, though. You're right. Thank you. I, I like you, too. Thank Huge you. Fan. <laughs> um, Izzy, from the Hot Tag with Izzy, this question is actually directed towards Punk. Uh, we saw, you know, you got your huge win tonight. Congratulations. And also MJF returns. What is the message that you're trying to direct towards MJF this time around? Because you did have a feud with him a couple months ago. I, I mean... Do I have to? I I, I get them. Uh, I don't know. I'm tired of wrestling these pricks. <laughs> I'm tired of wrestling these kids that think they uh, they know everything. Um, you know. But um, I'm not. I'm not the boss. I uh, he won number number one contendership, and uh, I guess I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. Um, I, I think Max is uh, a, a supremely talented individual. Um, but this goes for him and anybody else in the locker room that doesn't want to be here. You know, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. And Max likes to, uh, you know, shit where he eats instead of watering the grass. So, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see how that goes. Thanks, Izzy. Uh, John Alba podcast. Heat. Uh, Punk, a year ago we were in this room and it was after Adam Cole had debuted, Brian Danielson had debuted, and you said that it, it had the feeling of Bash at the Beach, oh, where where there was. Did that I say energy. that? It was that. Energy. Did I say that? And uh, uh, a year later, here you are, world champion, uh, through the trials and tribulations. What's your honest assessment of the last year for you personally and professionally? Um, I, I, I know it sounds like again, it sounds like a pretty ridiculous statement, you know. But I would like to think, and again, in five years, you know, you'll 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 see the impact of it. Um, there's a chance I'm wrong, you know. We got an uphill battle in a, in a, in a lot of respects. Um, there's just so much drama and turmoil going on. But I, you know, I, I like to believe in the place I work. Um, we do have a very, very strong roster, and like I said, we have we have a lot of brilliant minds backstage. So if uh, if, if young talent's willing to actually listen and, and receive uh, advice and information, I honestly think sky's the limit. You know, there's always going to be people who think they should be the top guy want to be pushed you know um and i get that i mean that was that was me from like 2008 to you know 2010 or whatever and you know i i i always wanted more um but i i, I thought i acted like a top guy you know like if i missed a flight i rented a car and made the town i didn't just go oh, i missed the flight i guess i'm not going to be a tv um I think Adam Cole is 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 fantastic. I'm 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 more worried about his health now than worried about if if his impact on wrestling is going to be you know bigger than Scott Hall's or something like that. Like I I just want the kid to be healthy because he's a he's a, he's a sweetheart. You know, um, I know Eric Bischoff is really mad that I said that, so I stand by it. Alvarez, you saw the video, man, and you were so incredulous that I went into business for myself, and I was just like. <laughs> <laughs> 
Man. I, yeah. And the reason I've never defended myself is because when you do, it just sounds like you're being defensive. But I've eaten shit on this subject for a very, very long time. Um, and I am, I'm very sad today that I had to get up here and, and, and say his name. He doesn't fucking deserve it uh, and talk about it. But facts are facts, you know. Name two people that have made the most money off the name CM Punk. I don't think you're there yet. The first one's Vince McMahon. The second one's Scott Colton. I hope you all have a good night. Please be more responsible with the news you get from certain people. And uh, just remember, we're human beings. Thank you. All right, a very, very interesting situation in AEW right now. So let me state the obvious first. You have one of your biggest shows of the entire year, and now the entire show has been overshadowed by this backstage drama. The talk of the weekend isn't John Moxley versus CM Punk. It isn't. MJF, who made a big return. Oh, no. It is the backstage drama between wrestlers. And it overshadows the good things you were doing. Uh, You can point at different things, but there is a history here. This didn't just come about at All Out. There is a story of chaotic events backstage in AEW that have taken place over the course of really a longer period of time that that hasn't gotten out, that hasn't been reported on. Uh, And frankly, Tony Khan is a very dishonest person anyway. So, you know, he's going to tell you what he wants to tell you. Uh, But there have been different reports of chaotic Incidents in just a backstage environment that's chaotic, uh, that's dramatic in AEW for some time. And, and so I want to give a little context and talk about that before we talk about All Out. So when we talk about specifically CM Punk, there was a promo with Hangman Page where Hangman Page tried to, well, you could call it uh, going to business for himself or you know, do a work shoot comment that uh, people didn't like Punk, didn't want Punk there, et cetera, during their uh, championship program where Punk won the championship the first time. Uh, And that kind of is where the heat really picked up uh, with, with Paige, you know, one of the Young Bucks buddies, the elite. And so uh, CM Punk took a shot back at Adam Page leading up to his match with Moxley, knowing he wasn't going to have a match with Hangman Page. He took a shot at Page and called him a coward uh, during a promo on Dynamite. Uh, So uh, many people thought that was CM Punk going into business for himself. Well, CM Punk, in his mind, was giving Hangman Page a receipt. And so it was Punk's understanding that... The executive EPs, the elite, were behind 
the spreading of information to the dirt sheets that he was behind the situation with Colt Cabana, who was pulled from TV. Uh, and so the heat kind of continued from there. Um, obviously, the situation with Colt Cabana was friends turned enemies, a legal situation. Uh, so not good. Uh, so it seemed really to be two camps developing this sort of CM Punk camp and this sort of elite camp uh, within the company. Uh, and there are other factions and other things going on as well. So you've got that situation, which did explode it all out. And I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but you've also got other backstage chaos involving other wrestlers as well. I, I mean, you've got... For example, uh, MJF, who I'm told was legitimately suspended and he was brought back. You've got the incident with Thunder Rosa and the, I frankly, the insults and attacks and the company pretty much burying her. It's, it's interesting to me. Why would the CEO of a company bury one of their top champions, the way Tony Khan has buried Thunder Rosa. She doesn't get a faction. She doesn't get Tony Schiavone interview time to help put her over as a character. I mean, you got Britt Baker making her look stupid. You got Tony Storm making her look foolish. Uh, Tony Storm went on this all-out media scrum and joked about her allegedly being injured. And you got Tony Khan smirking the entire time. So what's going on there? What's going on with Thunder Rosa? Because there's more than meets the eye here. Here's what I can tell you with certainty. Thunder Rosa requested her release after the Marina match. And she didn't get that. She wanted time off. But since that time, she has not requested her release again. She requested her release because of that mismanagement and bullshit. That's a fact. And now, where is she? Have they worked things out? It doesn't seem like it. So she's had an ongoing injury. But this chaotic work environment, this harmful work environment, the way they're treating specific talents is a problem. That's a significant problem. And, and I don't know what they're doing to fix that. I certainly don't see it. Tony Khan's solution seems to be to double down on it. Britt Baker, Tony Storm. Hell, he's involved smirking during the damn thing. He's not trying to make her look good. But at the same time, he's giving her the championship. It's a very weird scenario. And I hope that Tony can do right by the talent. Because the entire situation is a mess there. You've got Britt Baker with Adam Cole. And a source close to the situation tells me that Britt Baker had sex with Christian. 
And I wouldn't throw that around lightly. This situation, this company is a train wreck. And the wheels are loosened. And they are moments from coming off the track. So it's a chaotic backstage environment. And there's a lot of egos. And he said, she said. And people who don't like each other. And Tony Khan doesn't seem to be addressing any of it. He's put a few more people in charge to help him. But he certainly has done nothing that I'm aware of to address the behavior. And so now you've got this situation with CM Punk and the elites and the back and forth. And it all explodes at this all out media scrum. And I have to tell you, I was skeptical. I was skeptical that this was a work. It's pro wrestling. Can they put it on? Can they play off of it? Absolutely they can. And maybe they are, maybe they will. I don't know. What I do know is the issues here. What happened at this media scrum? It was not a work. Again, I was skeptical until I talked to someone close to the situation. I'm, I'm no longer skeptical. What CM Punk said that is a guy who's angry, who's fed up, that, that is toxic. It's not a good situation in AEW, and it's finally starting to come out. It's reached that point. It's been boiling. It's been there for a long time. They've been hiding it. Your favorite dirt sheet writers have been hiding it, and now they can't. Now you got Jericho telling Tony Khan there's some shit going on, as he whispers to him and, and starts to walk off. Now you got a security guy running through the hall, picked up by someone filming the media scrum. And now you've got reports of an altercation between parties after CM Punk's part of the media scrum after All Out. There are different... Stories being told about what happened. Was it a fight, a melee, whatever you want to describe it. Punches were thrown. Now, I don't know what story you believe, and there are multiple stories out there. There's no dispute that Punk punched Matt Jackson. And potentially multiple times. Steel, Punk's buddy, threw a chair. He's also a, a coach, by the way, in AEW, and, and obviously should be fired. He threw a chair that hit the Bucks' Nick Jackson, or that Steel bit Omega and pulled his hair. So those are the things there's allegedly no dispute around that are being reported. There's one side, though, that claims Punk threw the first punch when the Bucks came into the room to confront him where the brawl broke out. And then there's the story claiming the Bucks were the aggressors and Punk and Steel were defending themselves. Doesn't really matter at this point. It was all boiling over. 
the previous heat leading up to all out, the all out media scrum, the confrontation in the locker room. It was all going to come to a head eventually. Now, allegedly, no one is allowed to talk uh, because of pending legal issues. So. It, it it sounds like there is a pretty, for the most part, general idea of what happened in some some minor differences and the details really don't matter. They really don't. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, if they're not talking, maybe it really is because it's a work. It goes back to wrestling. Everything's work. But you, you can't think like that. That is really a mark mindset because. These things happen. Sometimes in sports locker rooms and other places. Uh, and just because they go out on TV and do fake fights or fake dialogue it doesn't mean they don't have real issues behind the scenes, behind, you know, the cameras. They absolutely do. So, you know, it could make sense that they're not allowed to talk about it. I mean, it's an issue that happened in the workplace, a potential assault uh, amongst other workplace policy violations that HR would have to deal with. So certainly, I'm sure, you know, they would be told not to talk. I mean, if this happened at my workplace, Human resources would say you're not allowed to talk about it. So I get that. You know, we're in this mindset that everything must be a work because it's pro wrestling. You got to get out of that mindset. Certainly things are sometimes worked or work shoots or whatever, but real things happen as well, just like at every other workplace, every other sports locker room, etc. But you can't tell me that the CM Punk is talking about Colt Cabana because Colt Cabana, a throwaway dark order nobody, is suddenly going to be in a main event world championship program with CM Punk. I mean, that doesn't make any sense at all. Punk wouldn't be talking about Colt Cabana because they're going to have a championship feud, right? I mean, that just makes no sense. Uh, I, I just don't understand that at all. Look, you know, they could have that and they could do a work shoot. I get it. I don't think it makes sense because Colt Cabana is not at that level. So, so what is the benefit to all this? There isn't any. It overshadowed their show. Now, if they run forward with this as their creative program and make these guys who don't like each other work with each other because they're getting paid fucking millions a year to be professionals. And who cares if they like it or they don't? Just ask uh, Sean and Brett about that. That would be good for business. That will increase viewership. I think that's what they should do. But right now, right now, this show, this company, is a grade-A dumpster fire. So you've got a situation now where Tony Khan has a decision to make. Punk is your world champion. He's your biggest star, your biggest moneymaker. You, you want to keep him because you want to do what's best for business. I mean, he just got done trashing Thunder Rosa, saying, of course, we had Punk out here doing this longer than her. He's what sells and actually draws. So he's burying her again. But I get it. He's right. But the truth is, Tony's come out and said, hey, I'm just going to do essentially what draws and sells. So now he's exposing himself as a fake social justice warrior. Because Tony sat there and told everybody you know, that he was for equality and women's wrestling and promoting minority wrestlers, et cetera, et cetera. 
ultimately, that's all turned out to be uh, largely fantasy. So does he get rid of his top guy from a business perspective? Uh, does that make sense? Does he get rid of his EVPs, Omega and the Bucks? Does he get rid of them? He doesn't have to make a decision on that now, but I don't think the, the group is ever going to successfully work together. So can you make it work or not is the question. And ultimately, if you can't, then you have to make a decision on who's got to go. Then there's a concern. Well, if you get rid of Steel, Punk's little buddy and the coach, which, again, you can understand that, then there's the risk that CM Punk walks out as well. You know, we know he would certainly walk out of a wrestling company. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. But uh, people are taking sides. I mean, Matt Hardy is posting on social media. Ap appears to be implying that he's with the elite. People are taking sides. You're on the side of the elite. You're on the side of CM Punk. It's becoming a very divided place to be. And that's not good for, for Tony Khan. In fact, one of the big takeaways from this entire ordeal, in my opinion, is that Tony Khan exposed himself as not being a true leader. He sat there and took it and said nothing. He, he's done nothing to this point. Uh, so Tony Khan has proven himself to be a feckless, useless CEO. Just pathetic. This is a carny crap show. And uh, we'll see what happens at this point. We will certainly see. But that is the show for this week. I thank you, everyone, for listening. I'll be back next week, and you won't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Brad yeah. Shepard Unleashed. Unleashed. Stay connected to Brad 24-7 for news, announcements, and analysis by following him on Twitter at It's Brad Shepard. You've been listening to Brad Shepard Unleashed. Yeah.